0: Recognized as one of the world's greatest philanthropies, Shriners Hospital for Children is an international hospital system recognized for transforming the lives of children throughout expert care and research. And now another episode of the Shriners Hospital for Children Chicago podcast series, Pediatric Specialty Care Spotlight with Melanie Cole.
1: Arthritis and other inflammatory joint and autoimmune conditions are very common in children, contrary to what many people think. My guest today is Dr. Linda Wagner-Weiner. She's a pediatric rheumatologist at Shriners Hospital for Children, Chicago. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wagner-Weiner. So what causes arthritis in children? Are there different types? People don't even realize that children can get arthritis.
0: We wish we knew what caused arthritis, and that's why the official term for childhood arthritis is JIA, which stands for juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Idiopathic meaning that we do not know the cause. And there are, uh, depending on how one counts it, about eight different subtypes of childhood arthritis, and some tend to be more severe and some may be less severe. Some may be associated with a positive family history of arthritis, while others pop up just out of nowhere, and they present at different ages. The joint distribution, the presence of other symptoms, and the family history help to guide us as to the diagnosis of the type of juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which we'll call JIA from now on. And the laboratory studies can help to support the diagnosis or lead us in other directions, but they do not make a diagnosis of JIA. In fact, there are children that have JIA that have perfectly normal laboratory profiles.
1: Wow. So if if you're a parent, children have growing pains, my knee hurts, you know, my all different things hurt in children all the time. What are some of the symptoms that would signal a red flag that would say, you know what, this is not just normal growing pains. This could be something more.
0: That's an excellent question, and that's uh, when the pediatricians or family practitioners refer children to us. To have a diagnosis of JIA, one must have symptoms of joint pain and inflammation would include swelling, heat, uh, and pain present for at least six weeks. They have to be juvenile. They have to be less than 16 years of age. And we have to make sure that we're not missing another cause of J of juvenile arthritis. For example, there are children that could have lupus or other rheumatologic diseases that look like they have JIA, but really have a different rheumatology process that would be considered an autoimmune disease or a different type of inflammatory disease process. So there are approximately 300,000 children in the United States with juvenile arthritis, and probably more than half of them or even more than that have juvenile idiopathic or arthritis or JIA, but there are several other types of diseases that do give juvenile arthritis, such as lupus, scleroderma, um, fibromyalgia can, is considered under that category, uh, so is dermatomyositis, and various types of inflammation of blood vessels Uh, called vasculitis and those related diseases. So there are many other diagnoses besides JIA that can be associated, associated with joint pain and inflammation. So you do need a duration of pain at least six weeks to make that diagnosis, because sometimes children can have viral infections and have joint pain for several weeks, but then it goes away, or they could have an injury which resolves. One of the things we look for is morning stiffness, and on exam, we look for evidence of inflammation like swelling um, or increased heat of various joints
1: so what treatments are available, and are there complications if it 's not treated? proactively, Dr. Wagner-Weiner, because of course, you know, arthritis can build on itself. So if this isn't something that gets treated right away, are there certain complications? And speak about some of the treatment options. What's your first line of defense?
0: The issue of treating early, and that means getting diagnosed early, is very important. And we've learned so much over the past five decades when juvenile arthritis and the whole field of pediatric rheumatology was developing, we have learned in research studies both in adults and now in children that the sooner you diagnose JIA or an adult's rheumatoid arthritis and the sooner that you treat proactively with medications, which we'll get into in a moment, the less injury you have to the joints and the better outcome we have long-term So when we start to realize a child does have a chronic joints process that has inflammation like JIA, we want to jump in immediately. And the type of treatment that we choose does depend on what subtype children have of JIA. For example, only about 5 or 10% of our children with JIA have the adult form of rheumatoid arthritis, which is associated with a positive rheumatoid factor. That's more aggressive joint disease and it has more damage complications so we're going to be very aggressive in those children and on the other hand we have children that have just one joint involved and we can be a little bit less aggressive yet we want to make sure that we are appropriate providing the right amount of treatment not too little treatment so there's ongoing inflammation but not too much treatment because as you mentioned there can be side effects to every medication that we use the approach to juvenile idiopathic arthritis has changed tremendously over the last 40 to 50 years and especially over the last two decades. When we started out in the 1940s and 50s, we had aspirin, and after that, we developed various related medications which were easier to take and had a longer half-life than aspirin, such as um, naproxen or ibuprofen and many other related non-steroidal medications. I should mention here that as opposed to all the medications in this class of medications called non-steroidals, that are approved for adults, there's only a few that are approved for children, so that can be a problem, and only two that come in liquid form, which is a big problem for children that don't swallow pills yet. In the 1970s, the late 70s, early 80s, we started to use a medication called methotrexate. Many of the children who did not go into remission on non-steroidal medications did enter remission with methotrexate, yet we still had a good 20-plus percent of children who continued to have unchecked inflammation of their joint. So we were so excited at the end of the 1990s when the biologics were introduced, and these are the ones that people see advertised all the time on, on television or in other market forums that include anti-tumor necrosis factor agent, and I won't use any brand names, but um, for example... Tannercept, Adalimumab, Infliximab, and several others that totally changed the the world of rheumatology. We used to see children that had arthritis using forearm crutches in wheelchairs, getting joint replacements. And so many of our lectures back then were how to do pre- and post-therapy after joint replacements. We don't do that anymore. Since the availability of biologics, I think the first one available to children was around 2000. We've seen a marked decrease in the morbidity of the joint disease in our children, and we're so excited about it so that when we, when we have our annual juvenile arthritis meetings, you cannot tell sometimes who is the patient and who is the sibling of the patient at our family meetings because the joint disease can be controlled. I don't want to be overly rosy in that there are still some that have ongoing inflammation despite the many different biologics that are coming on the market now, but the prognosis has improved dramatically. Side effects with every medicine that we use, whether it be something simple like aspirin or the non-steroidal medications like ibuprofen or methotrexate or the biologics, There's always the potential of side effects such as allergic reactions or suppression of blood counts or irritation of liver, et cetera. But um, I, I think one of the main questions people have about the biologics, which, by the way, let me explain that just a little further. These are targeted therapies that attack a particular place in the inflammation cascade, they don't suppress the whole immune system. They attack one little area and that can be successful in quieting down the joint disease. In altering the person's immune defense system, which these medications can do, people are worried about whether there's an increase in malignancy complications down the road. And there's been large demographic studies done. And at this point, we do not think that there's any statistical evidence to indicate that malignancy is increased in this population that are on these medications. We'll keep doing research studies. Uh, so, But it still is a black box warning for these medications. The other concern with these medications is that we alter the immune defense system. So we're always looking for infection. We always pretest to make sure there's no tuberculosis exposure. And if a child does get a fever or some evidence of infection, we hold the medications until they're back to their usual state of health.
1: What about the psychosocial aspect of arthritis on children, Doctor? How do you help parents deal with school and their medications and gym and exercise?
0: When we treat our children with a diagnosis of chronic illness, whether it be JIA or lupus or related inflammatory or rheumatologic conditions, we treat the whole patient. There's no question that it can take a village, and I think that's where I want to bring in some of the wonderful services that I've enjoyed working at Shriners Hospital with regard to school, uh, school is, that's their job. Um, just like adults can't go to work sometimes because their joints hurt, if our kids can't go to school, they're not getting the education they need. They're also missing out on the social events, And we know how important sports are at school, that that's a big social medium in which to meet people and feel like you're part of the group. So we try to have our children live as normal life as possible. We give information to the school, to the teachers, to the principals, to let them know that the child does have this particular special condition and special need. It may or may not interfere with the child's education. If we feel that it does interfere, then we make sure that we have available when a child's condition will interfere with participation school, we utilize the services in the school district such as physical and occupational therapy. We make sure also that they get the home or extra tutoring that they may need for missed days. We sometimes try to Uh, give them um, computers instead of having them write long assignments, give them extra time to complete assignments and examinations, and also maybe to use the elevator at school. We write notes so that they can be excused for gym or not be penalized if they don't participate in activities that may cause them pain. So we are always asking, how are they doing in school? Are they missing school? Are they able to complete everything that they need to do at school, both academically and socially?
1: So tell us about the close connection with orthopedic services at Shriners Hospital for Children Chicago. Is an ortho consult sometimes possible during the same visit if kids have related ortho issues from their arthritis? And also, Doctor, tell us about some of the other providers that are accessible to children with arthritis that that you work with at Shriners.
0: When we have children that have significant disease, it does take a full team to optimize their treatment and their outcome. The orthopedic service has been invaluable in, in so many different ways. It's a two way street. We may see patients that we need ortho consultation um, on, and sometimes it's to provide intraarticular injections, injections into the joint with corticosteroids to quiet down inflammation. Sometimes it's to assess a joint that mechanically seems that it's causing a problem more than the inflammatory component. And often the orthopedic surgeons will see patients that come in with complaints and pain and they feel that it is more than likely an inflammatory condition. And the orthopedic surgeons at Shriners are more exposed than many other pediatric orthopedic surgeons to inflammatory diseases. So they're very good at picking it up and referring us patients as uh, quickly as possible. We So we value their services. What surprised me the most when I started working at Shriners was the ability to have rehabilitation services evaluate my patient the same day. That has never happened in any other place that I've worked. If I'm concerned about lower extremities or gross motor skills and other function, physical therapy can see the child that same day. If the child is having problems with writing or activities of daily living, they may see the occupational therapist that same day. And even patients that have involvement of their jaw uh, joints called TMJ. They can sometimes see the speech therapist the same day. There is even an intensive day therapy program for those children that need multiple services to get them back on their feet and functional in their everyday life. We're able to refer children for evaluation for orthotics for their shoes, which is phenomenal, and they'll see them the same day. And as we talked about earlier, it's not just the musculoskeletal issues, but it's the psychosocial issues. Many of the families have um, concerns about finances or insurance or how this changes their lives or the complexion of their family with the other siblings. And they can meet with the social worker and psychology the same day. And if there's any problem with scheduling, they can schedule that in the very near future. Other services that we have are dietary. Some of our children are underweight and some are overweight. And so dietary guidance is key to our children's full um, health and potential. There is also with new biologics, many of them are given IV. There are nurse practitioners at Shriners that are able to write orders and supervise expertly the IV infusions of these newer biologic medications. And this is so important to many of our patients that do require this. And we have a nurse specialist who works with our clinic who is able to get approval for the medications that are, um, that are necessary because these medications are very expensive and our wonderful nurse specialists can get the approvals that we need. And there are other um, subspecialty physicians there, such as neurology, that have been very helpful in assessing our children with musculoskeletal disorders.
1: And, Doctor, wrapped it up for us with your best advice about juvenile arthritis and what you would like parents and listeners to know about what you're doing at Shriners Hospitals for Children Chicago.
0: At Shriners, there's a unique opportunity to have a full evaluation, presence of all the services that we need for rehab, ortho, podiatry, psychology, social work, dietary, uh, that you really can't get anywhere. It's often when a child has a chronic illness, there are so many services a child needs that the parents have to often take them to different centers. And it's a very important um, aspect of their care to get all their necessary services under one roof. And it's unusual to be able to do that and also in a timely way and in a friendly way. Um I have really never worked in a hospital that provides all these services so efficiently and effectively and in such a timely manner as I have at Shriners.
1: Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Pediatric Specialty Care Spotlight with Shriners Hospital for Children Chicago. For more information, please visit ShrinersChicago.org. That's ShrinersChicago.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.